The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. What's up, everyone? A wild week for Suns basketball. Some real ups and downs, maybe one of the coolest moments that we've seen as Suns fans, a lot of us in our entire lives, followed by a stinker of a game followed by another stinker of a game, but we at least won that one. So we'll break down all those. And we have a little bit of injury news to uh, some happy news to talk about. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout out on the show. Shout outs are in order for our bet question from last week. We were guessing DeAndre Ayton offensive rebounds from game three. Between the two of us, you said four, I said three, so you win this one. He had four, you got it right on the dot. So I currently lead four to three. So we've got we've got an interesting battle here on our hands. Coming back. Yeah. Coming back. But shout out to at Natalie Erling on Twitter, <laughs> who was who the this? closest. Yeah, it's a new fan that has suddenly popped up. It's nice to get a little more engagement from some new fans. <laughs> <laughs> she guessed five, though, so shout out to Natalie Erling. Wherever you are out there listening, maybe another one of our Australian listeners, or I'm not sure. She sounds very pretty. <laughs> JK, we know who Natalie is. Shout out <laughs> to Natalie. You can tweet at us, at Sunny and PHX Pod, with your response to the bet question, for your opportunity to get a shout out on the show. Let's just go into our bet question for this week too, because it's it's kind of an interesting one. I don't know how else we're gonna fit it in here. We're guessing how many free throws will the Suns attempt in game five? Is this a Scott Foster game, first of all? Can we, we don't know. We don't, we don't know. know. All right. Um I doubt we go much over twenty if we do. Let's go 17. Let's go 17. 17. Okay. In my head, I was thinking 15. So I'm going to go 15. We've had game one, we shot nine free throws, I believe. Uh, Game four, we shot 21. We've been in between otherwise. So I'm going to go a little bit on the lower end. I think in in a potential elimination game, they're going to let the teams play a little bit more. So I'll say 15. All right. Okay, some injury updates here. Let's start off with the good news, and we all saw him playing here in Game 4, but Abdel Nader, Abdul Nader back on the court and getting some minutes right away, which was a little surprising in his first game that he was even available. We got to see him on the court a little bit. Yeah, I was surprised because he missed the last 
30 regular season games or so. Been out for about three months after his his slight knee surgery. So I I thought we'd see Tory Craig a lot sooner, but we only saw Tory Craig for a tiny bit in game four. Uh, but it's nice to have Nader back just as that option. And I know I saw some people on Twitter saying, well, just matchup-wise, it makes sense, and he's a little bit better at driving to the basket. And he didn't really do much, but nice to see him on the court still. Right. We saw him get into the lane one time, couldn't finish on it. But then we also saw a few possessions of some pretty nice defense. And maybe Torrey Craig isn't the best guy to be matching up on threes. And, you know, Paul George, that's where Nader got stuck a couple times. Uh, maybe that's just a better matchup going forward. But just overall a little surprised to see him getting minutes right off the bat like that. But it, it wasn't a ton of minutes, and we'll just have to see moving forward about it. But otherwise, campaign back in the lineup this one after the ankle injury after just playing a few minutes in Game 3. So it's it's good to have him back. And uh, didn't get a lot done in this game, but it's just nice for the pace of the game. Uh, with Chris kind of keeping things a little slower, we saw as soon as Cam got in, we were pushing the ball. We were trying to get to the basket, and that's something that we do need to do in this series, one where we're shooting the ball pretty terribly. Yes, and Chris Paul, obviously, back from COVID protocols, uh, looked pretty slow in game three, a little bit better in game four, but you can tell he's still not completely himself. The shots really haven't been falling like they normally would be. Right, and you would have thought maybe um, if he had been asymptomatic, maybe just getting those extra days, days off would have been good for him and his shoulder too, but... Really, we're not too sure about it. I haven't seen him favoring his shoulder much since since coming back. I know he got uh he got whacked in the hand in game three pretty hard. Uh, it doesn't look like that's bothering him too much either. But I don't know. I expect you know we saw him play so much better in game four here. I kind of expect the same for game five. Just more more into the series, more in the flow. I, I can see him uh, finishing this one out for us. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. And taking those steps with each game, it's a good thing. But yeah, good to have him back overall and campaign. And Chris Paul did play a lot in game three, but uh, they were saying on the broadcast that Monty seemed to look at that as just like a, a real great opportunity for conditioning for Chris Paul coming back and that he'll probably be better for it in the end. Sure, totally. All right, let's move on and talk about game two. And this was the Valley Oop I mentioned in the intro. I think this was the most excited I've ever been as a Suns fan <laughs> to to win the game like that in such a big moment. And seeing our boy DeAndre Ayton just toss that one down, it, it all feels so good. And I, I was screaming. My wife was screaming. Natalie, shout out earlier in the show. I, it's a family thing here. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. That that was by far the most excited I've been throughout these playoffs for sure. And maybe in my life as a Suns fan. Yeah, it was awesome. It's definitely a top three Suns moment. You know, um, I just got chills, actually. 
replaying it in my head. I probably watched the clip a thousand times yeah. just to hear the crowd explode as soon as he makes it. And the pass from Jay Crowder, I've seen that from every single angle, as I'm sure everyone listening to this has. And I mean, he was centimeters away from just knocking it off the backboard. And that's the end of the game, basically. But yeah, my my... The only thing that makes it a touch less exciting is all of the reviews that went into that. You know, the last 90 seconds taking 33 minutes real time. It's like as soon as I would start to get excited, then we'd have to stop and look at something and a couple of controversial calls. So, yes, yes, very exciting. But that did take away just a touch from it. It really did. I think. I can't remember the exact time it took, but the last minute of the game took something like 20 to 30 minutes real time. That's way, that's way too much. And I could complain about this for half an hour, but if I weren't a Suns fan, I may have turned that game off and missed that. Right. Maybe that's right. going a little far, but Stretching it out that long to look at every single out-of-bounds play or foul or whatever challenge there was in the last couple minutes, and very similar in Game 4, too. Yeah. I, I'm just not a fan of that. It's it's tough to watch. No, no. It's definitely gone too far. But, you know, a win is a win. And I've been thinking about this a lot between Game 2 and Game 4. These are the games that teams have to win if they want to win a championship. And I've kind of been trying not to say this because I don't want to put the cart before the horse or anything. But we're winning those gritty games, those tough games that that these are the games that we're going to point back to and say that was the difference in this run, you know. Totally. So it's... It's beyond luck at this point, too, I think. it's We have been in these challenging situations, and I think it's really good. You know, the Nuggets series, we didn't have a lot of this. The sweep was great, of course, but not a ton of adversity. We had some in the Lakers series, but then their injuries kind of used that. This is a real test for us, and we need it, and we're we're passing. 100%. That's That's all very true. And like in this game, two of our starters combined for seven points. Bridges and Crowder both have off nights in game two here, but then you get eight and 24 points, 14 rebounds. Devin Booker, 20 points in this one. And then Cameron Payne, who Cameron gets Payne. forgotten in this game due to the yeah. value, 29 points, 12 for 24 from the floor, uh, nine assists, two steals, Zero turnovers, two blocks. Yeah. This is stepping up like this in the absence of Chris Paul in this game is we knew that campaign would have to come in and do a little something. We knew that was the case. But the way this guy played in this one, how much money is this guy going to be making this? Yeah, really. This this has been so much fun watching him. And on the other side of the ball, Reggie Jackson, kind of the same boat. Yeah, totally. To a, to a bigger extent, he has just been killing us. He can't yes, miss. he's been great. Yeah, campaign was awesome in this game, though. And 
he he really is the reason that we won. And I loved hearing the stories of Chris Paul trying to call him constantly. And like, he's not even off the court yet. And he's got two or three missed calls. <laughs> you know, that's, I love that. And, you know, you hear Chris was even saying uh, after game four that he just really loves DeAndre. He said that he, he genuinely loves him. Mm. And it's like, you can tell these guys just have that for each other. You know, and Chris wanted to be on FaceTime with Booker and he wanted to be calling Cam and, you know, they were all talking and you see a very interesting um, duality with that versus how Kawhi Leonard has been. Doesn't sit with the team, don't hear anything. And some of that's personality, but still, like, you can just tell Kawhi is not very invested. It's all about him. And that's how he's always been. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. You got to get yours, but there's a huge difference in in attitude. And I mean, we're up three one for a reason, you know. Oh yeah, and just think about how often Chris Paul gets on Aiton, and you know the rest of the team too. But then he's the one that's calling them, making sure they're on Facetime as they're walking into the <laughs> locker room, like not even yeah. when they get into the locker room. They're getting handed a phone with Chris while they're going through the tunnel. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's just pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And yeah. to wrap up this game, Dario Saric, 11 points. Yes. Yeah, Cam Johnson, 11 points. Two guys off the bench stepping up. Dario definitely just uh, some real smart plays in this game. I think a dunk, maybe two dunk, but yeah, a dunk okay. for sure. Just happy yeah. to see him get going, seeing how he can change the game in the few minutes he's in. He's been – uh. He's been great in those spot minutes. Yeah. And you just have to love that he has not once complained. You know, his his role diminished throughout the season and then was non-existent at one point in these playoffs. And it's been like we've said with Etwan Moore and Langston Galloway. He's just that true professional that when it's his turn, Frank Kaminsky too, when it's his turn, he'll be ready. And if he doesn't get a turn, he's he's doing everything he can to support the team. Yep. It's all about the team. And it's obviously showing. Shout out James Jones and Monty Williams leading these guys. What a what a fun year it's been and it's not over. Yeah, we got a lot left here. All right. Let's bring things down a peg. Game three. <laughs> Game three was rough. One oh six to ninety two loss. And, you know, all these games where we've won were pretty tight games, pretty tough ones, but the Clippers just really got the best of us in this one. It it's, it feels weird taking a loss like this after our recent success, honestly, but definitely brings you back down to earth. And I know how nervous I was heading into game four after taking this loss, but we get yeah. the guys back. Uh, you expect big things from our backcourt of Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and both of them just lay an egg in this one. And when you see that happening, you you know it's not going to be great for this team. Booker with 15 points on 5 for 21 shooting. Paul with 15 points on 5 for 19 shooting. It was rough. This was a very odd game for a lot of reasons. And at first it was almost difficult for me to remember And part of it is because of this early start time. These games are starting at 6, and I often work until 7. So 
I was able to, I missed just a chunk of the first quarter, but not very much. And I decided to just watch like on streaming at work for the first half. Like I just stayed like half an hour later just so I could watch the game. And I've got a coworker who's a Suns fan as well. So we had it up and we were kind of watching it together. And at halftime, I was like, okay, I'm going home. So I drove home. By the time I got back, I was in time for the third quarter. And the first half, I was kind of thinking, yeah, this is what all these games have looked like. It's really close. It's a dog fight. It's really difficult. And then the second half was just like, like you said, we laid an egg. And that's the first time we've done that basically in these playoffs. But my my kind of response to this is, how often do teams win 10 playoff games in a row? Right. Yeah, that's, you have to remind tough. yourself of that. that. That's a very tough uh, task to accomplish. And, you know, it's happened before a few times, if I remember correctly. But, I mean, it's a seven-game series for a reason. One loss isn't going to kill you. But right. a- after what had been going on 10 in a row, I mean, a little bit of a shock to the system. And in this game, we, we got some decent output from a lot of guys. Uh, Bridges with 13, Aiton with 18, Crowder with nine, Johnson with 12, but you, you just got to look back at Booker and Paul combining for 30 on 10 for 40 shooting. That's I don't expect that to happen often even though it was nearly replicated in game four, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think game five will hold this. And I'm sure a lot of people said that after this one, but I did. Yeah. Maybe I did too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it was very odd. And yeah, the role players in the bench actually had a good game, but then, yeah, like you said, 10 for 40 shooting. And I believe game four, they were 14 for 44. Yeah. <laughs> so well, a still pretty bad, but a little tiny bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, Booker, I think, is just kind of showing how there is a, a little bit of this psychological element of like the hot hand. You know, I know there was recently a book written about this. And I think it's just called The Hot Hand. Um it talks about just the, the nature of the hot and cold streaks in NBA players and how there isn't really much of an explanation other than, I guess, some patterns and psychological stuff. But Booker's just cold right now, and I, I don't expect that to last, and I'd rather him get this out now than later. Yeah, I I totally agree. You, you can't... As much as I would have loved to see him continue on after the his first triple-double going for 40-plus points, I would have loved to see that keep going. But, yeah, maybe get a couple stinkers out of the way and come game one of the finals, we hope. Maybe he just yeah. goes off again and we keep that going from there. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we can't get too down on it after this game. We're, we're going to... It's has it ever been done? No one's swept through the playoffs, right? Right. I, yeah. I mean, let's not get too crazy here. It, we can afford to lose a game. It was an away game, and we're coming back game five, home court, chance to seal it out. So. Yeah, and I, I kind of have an interesting thought on this too. 
a lot of the pregame talk is about how Ty Lu is this genius coach who made all these adjustments and game three showed how all those worked. And in the previous series, the Clippers have played, they've gone down 0-2 and then they've won four in a row or they've at least uh, got the series to 2-2. Ty Lu did make some adjustments that worked, but I don't, I didn't hear a whole lot of, of talk about Monty and I guess it's probably because the adjustments we really saw in game four, but Monty Williams made some very nice adjustments for game four, recognizing that Chris Paul's preference to just pound the ball for 20 seconds and then, (laughs) and then get the offense moving a little bit and take a shot at the very end of the shot clock just plays right into what the Clippers want. We were playing quite a bit faster in game four. Um, Monty made some nice adjustments and yeah, Ty Lue is also tinkering, but give me Monty Williams every day. Oh, totally. Monty's been great. And one last thing about game three before we move on. And I don't want to get too much into the officiating of the series, especially because game four had a few calls really go our way. I, I can admit that, but we, we can't when Chris gets the ball and gets into the slow, walk it up, you know, 12 seconds left on the play clock before we even come set a screen or get the offense moving. That's when the Clippers are allowed to set up and then play uber aggressive defense. If we're running the ball being fast, they can't even get set up in enough time to do that. But when we slow it down, how many instances have you seen where we're going to go try to set a pick and they just bump us out off the way to even go set the pick it disrupts the offense, and then we only have 10 seconds, 9 seconds to shoot. Like, we saw that happen so many times, and if the refs are going to allow them to play aggressive, that just falls right into their hands if we're playing slow. So we, we got to keep the pace up, and obviously getting campaign back and seeing Chris Paul get things into gear, those have been great signs, and heading into Game 5, I think we have the ticket. But let's talk about Game 4. Game 4 was... Ugly. It was uh, bad. <laughs> not exaggerating. The worst yeah. basketball game I've ever watched. And I'm talking 19 win sun seasons. I watched all those. This is the worst one I have ever watched start to finish in all my uh, years. I don't, I don't know if I can go that far. I mean, I remember a few years ago, opening night against the Blazers. We were there and... We lost by 40. I do remember yeah. that. I will take That's this a different that. kind of bad because the Blazers at least played well in that one. That's true. That's true. Neither team played anything yeah. near a sense of good in this one. That's Yeah, that's true. I've seen some college games that are like this, definitely. Yeah. But NBA-wise, yeah, this was... Like, how many shots... win I've ever seen. Yeah, for sure. How many shots rimmed out in this game? Yeah, a lot I'm for both halfway teams. halfway down and then miraculously just popping out of the basket. And the rebounding numbers are insane yeah. in this one. So many people had so many rebounds because there were so many missed shots. Right. right. I, ha- I don't know if I've seen this poor of shooting in a game. I mean, yeah, it was bad, but yeah. the shooting, shooting was maybe worse. We went four for 20 from downtown. They went five for 31. (laughs) 16.1%. Yeah. 
That's bad. And yeah, I know both teams shot just overall in the mid 30%, like so, so bad. Wow. We and, were shooting over over 50 at one point. I think it was in the late second quarter or second yeah. quarter. We were over 50%. And then all of a sudden down to 30, 36 at the end of the game, they finished 32.5 from the floor. Yeah, really bad. <laughs> and you know, you pointed this out too before we started recording that the Clippers were 0 for 12 in their opportunities to tie or take the lead. In the fourth. Yeah. In the that, fourth. In the fourth. Yeah. That was just all so ugly. I saw that on Sports Center and they were putting That's up right. red X's everywhere they missed <laughs> shots from. And the court yeah. was just covered, man. It that was Yeah. And it wasn't any better on our side either. I mean, no, how many chances did we have? I think the game was tied, or it was 71 to 70 for like 20 real-time minutes. Yes, like yes. The score just didn't change for so long. Right. Yeah, and one thing that, that Scott Van Pelt actually brought up when he interviewed Devin Booker was the Suns never lost the lead. You know, it, we were up uh, by one for, for a good stretch there. But we never lost the lead throughout the entire game. And, you know, Booker gave a good answer. But I think there's more to it. There is a, a mental component to being up, even if it's by one, you know. And yeah. Booker kind of mentioned this. I did catch him say this, and I thought it was interesting. He said, we had a comfortable five-point lead. And I'm like... If you think that's comfortable, that says something. Because in this game, that is a comfortable lead. Yeah, and I I didn't hear that. And no kidding, you can even ask at Natalie Erling on Twitter. (laughs) At one point, I said, I am so thankful that we have a five-point lead now. It feels like the game's over. Because it was at, at one or three or two for so long. As soon as it got up to five... That was where I finally started to feel a little bit of confidence in that one. Yes. And when you said that, I, I could have sworn that the Clippers had the lead at some point of that game. But never they never did. It just it it felt like it, I guess. Yes. And I, I think the opposite would have been true, too. If the Clippers would have taken even a one-point lead, I think it would have been detrimental. I think we might have rolled over. Yeah, that would have been pretty demeaning after yeah. through all that and then finally giving it up. That would have been tough, but right. we've got a gritty team, man, and this this game defines gritty. Both sides, I mean, yes. 84 to 80, the <laughs> lowest points scored in a win this year in the NBA. Wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, and talking about gritty, DeAndre Ayton, 19 points, 22 rebounds, career high, 22 rebounds, four blocks, one steal, plus eight, led the team, plus minus, plus eight. Incredible. Nine offensive rebounds. Nine offensive rebounds, yeah. And Zubats had seven offensive, 14 total on the game, and those two guys were just battling. They were. Zubats played 39 and a half minutes. And he was pretty good. Yeah, it was the most he had played all season, and he was pretty good. Man, uh, shout out to him for sure, because they can't match up with Aiton at all outside of him, and he's doing as good of a job as he can, but Aiton has been 
so, so great throughout the entire playoffs. I no one saw qu- this, quite this coming, but this is right. so good. Yeah, he had such a great game, and you know, and Booker had 25 points, but still a poor shooting night. And clearly that mask was bothering him because he did take it off in the second half. And, you know, in his interview, he said, I can have surgery on my nose at any point. I can't be in the Western conference finals at any given point though. So, you know, and, and he took a shot to the head again, you know, he hit his face on, on someone and seemed to be okay, but yeah, yeah, you could tell that mask was bothering him. Yeah, and I'm not gonna try to sit here and make any excuses for the guy. Right. But when your face hurts, that it's hard sucks. to do anything. It's hard to yeah. do anything. It's hard to concentrate. And I mean, you're playing basketball in the biggest stage of your career, and you have to concentrate with a nose that was just busted in three places. Right. And then throw a mask on it for some of it. And that in itself definitely changes the game up a little bit too. But yeah. Getting through it. Right. Did you see the the NBA on TNT guys talking about the masks? And Charles Barkley was talking about how he had to wear a mask at one point. Yeah. And it was this old eighties face mask and <laughs> Ernie said it looks like you were in a torture chamber. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, yeah. Check that. It's on Instagram. Check that clip out if if you want a good laugh. It's so funny. That's good. We've come a long way in the mask game. Yes. For sure. Yes. And we did hear that Booker called Rip Hamilton, who yeah. you know was one of his idols growing up, just to say, you know, how do I get used to this quicker? Yeah. And, I have no idea what Rip said, but I think it's cool that he tried to reach out. Yeah, that, that, that's just a cool story all around. And if I have it my way and the Suns have it their way, we finish this game in five, the series in five, and then the Bucks and Hawks series are two games behind us. Yes. So if that series goes a few, you know, five-plus games, we're going to have some uh, some nice time which will be great for Chris Paul coming back after the COVID and probably still has some shoulder injuries. And we got campaign with the ankle. We got book with the broken nose. So a few extra days off might be upcoming and that would be, I'd say that'd be great for us. Yeah. I think game five is going to be very important and I feel good about it. I mean, my prediction from the start was we were going to drop one game in L.A. and then win the series in five. Yeah. And so far, I'm one win away from being right. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited for game five. And we just got to we got to keep playing smart and then keep the pace up. I think those are really yes. the only two things I have to say. And that I'm very excited to see the Suns crowd at home. Game five, chance to seal it. It's gonna, it's gonna be real rowdy in there. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, it'll be great. And yeah, you're right. Play smart. Keep playing hard. Keep feeding Aiton. Keep trying to defend. I mean, we, we've done a lot of this, but we just gotta take one next step here. Well, let's uh go back and do our four keys to beat the Clippers because we're we're hitting them pretty well. Number one is slow down Paul George as much as possible. And yes, he's averaging 27, 
10 boards and six assists per game, but it's coming on 35% from the floor, 24% from downtown. He's, he's shooting jump shots and they're not going in and he can't get anything at the rim because he wants nothing to do with eight and down there. Right. He doesn't, he, I, I can't remember the last time he tried to shoot over Aiden. Yeah. He's taking these highly contested jump shots that are off balance, fading away. And yeah, he's going to hit some of those. But I mean, he, him and Reggie Jackson are doing the bulk of the scoring. And you just need more than that. Right. And that goes into the next one. Rotate on defense, guard the perimeter. Reggie Jackson is their number two guy. It's very yeah. obvious. He's been hitting shots big time. But even in this game four, we think Booker kind of had an off night. He still outplayed uh, George and Jackson in this he did. shooting That's wise. Right. At least. So That's right. I, I think uh, more or less, we just need to run those guys off the three point line in game five and just feed him into Aiton. Yeah. You know, make him test Aiton. Right. I think game four, actually, we did a pretty good job with this. Yeah. I mean, five for 37 or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's good. That's yep. great. Yeah. So. Yeah, if if they're going to be missing him and then shoot 37 of them, we'll, we'll live with that. Yeah. Don't and the, the next one, get the ball to Aiton. They don't have anyone that can guard him. Uh, Zubats has stepped up. Probably making it not simple enough as us trying to just feed him with his back to the bucket in the post, but... He he's so efficient. He he finds his way to get his buckets. We've seen some great alley oops from Chris Paul. Some yeah, some real yeah. thunderous dunks, and then the the one finger roll, just the amazing touch catching the uh, ball way up and out of the way. That was nice. Yeah, yeah. And when Zubots isn't on the court, they they literally have nothing. You know, no. they were running Batum at center, and that does not work at all. Like you said, Paul George doesn't want anything to do with him. Same thing on defense. Um, Marcus Morris can't guard him. I mean, they just don't really have anyone uh, outside of Zubots who even stands a chance. So we got to keep getting him the ball. And I think overall we've done a pretty good job at this. I think so, too. In those moments where things get so stagnant, those are the times where I think, hey, let's maybe force one in down to Aiton and just – his touch around the rim has been so nice. Let's give that a shot. Right. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe that's something we do next game. Right. Well, in game four, there was a point where neither team could really get the lid off. I said, we just need to make a layup. And that's when Aiton finished that. I mean, Chris Paul threw him a kind of wild alley-oop. He had to go way up and get it, but he finished yeah. it. And yeah. Uh, that's you know that's what we needed. Aiden's gonna give us those simple shots and lots of tip-ins and second chance opportunities and you know he's he's gonna get his points from all of that from finishing lobs from running uh, just rim running fast break that kind of thing and then occasionally getting some post ups. He did hit a nice kind of mid range jumper to the, uh, in in game four, but for the most part it's gonna be. Rim running, pick and roll, and then offensive rebounds, second chance opportunities. Some big beef in this game. Yes, there was some big beef. Can't wait to hear Trey Kirby talk about Aiton with <laughs> big beef. <laughs> and then our last our last key to beat the Clippers, at least one bench guy needs to step up. Uh, 
game two campaign started in this one, but had a huge one. And then the other Cam, Cam Johnson, averaging a, a cool 10 points, four rebounds per game on just great shooting. 67% from the floor, 53% from downtown. So it's nice to be able to rely on him to get some buckets for us off the bench when, uh, you know, maybe Booker's off the court or, you know, just the even eight in the starters. And on defense, he has had some pretty difficult matchups throughout the playoffs. I mean, he had to guard LeBron in the Lakers series quite a bit, and it didn't go well. He's had to guard Paul George in this series, and it's better than how it went with LeBron, but still pretty tough, very tough matchup. And yeah, I think Cam Johnson has been really an unsung hero of these playoffs. Yep, and... I love the, it's not a huge number, but the four rebounds per game. It feels like so many offensive rebounds in this series have been so crucial to us getting wins in our very tight games. And I just recall one from this game four offensive rebound and see him hitting the glass a little bit. I think that's great. And moving forward, if we, if we ever do want to put him back in the starting lineup as the four next to McHale at small forward, I I think the rebounding is where he's going to have to really step up. Aiton isn't going to grab 22 every game. No, he's not. He's not. And with that, we will move to the non-sports section of the show. So kind of a little bit different than what we do, but we're going to do something fun. What's the last song you listen to? This falls into a bit of a tradition now. We're recording after the uh, game four win, and after every game, I get on my computer, I type, go to YouTube, I type in Boney M, Sunny, and I crank it as loud as I can. So, beings we're uh, listening or we're doing the pod right after the Suns game. That is definitely the last song I listen to. And friend of the show now, all of a sudden, Natalie Erling <laughs> comes in dancing. At least 95% of the time, I, I have that song cranked. So it's a it's a good vibe when Boney M is playing in the house. Yeah, and it, I'll always love that song because that's the song that the the wedding party was introduced to uh, Great moment. at, at oh, my wedding. So very solid moment. Yeah. In time right there. I never, I'll never forget fantastic. that moment. Very fun. Yeah. I remember looking at you because I didn't tell you what it was going to be, but I knew you would like it. And that, that was my like, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Yes. Yeah. Great song. Uh, for me, it's a song called Death Note by Polyphia um, featuring Ichika. Uh, pretty cool song. All instrumental, like a lot of guitar stuff. And I, I was listening to this. Uh, I, I watched the game at my parents' house. Um, we're in the process of getting a nicer TV. Our TV right now is not great, but my parents have a really nice one. So we went up there to hang out and watch the game and, um, driving home. I, I just kind of shuffled a playlist, random playlist that I had. And that song came on and it just kind of got me thinking about when that album of theirs came out, it was like a really, really great like point in my life. And then like shortly after that was one of the most difficult times in my life. So it was kind of cool that like that came on and now I'm in like probably the best part of my life. 
and the sons are in the best part of their life in recent history so it was just kind of cool to reflect on that and think about like yeah i remember when this song came out and kind of thinking about where the team was when that came out we were really bad but um yeah it's a great song and that whole album is really really good they do a lot of fun stuff and lots of features they they almost treat like guitar music like rap where a lot of their songs will have features where like someone will just like play one solo or something like that. Hmm. And they've been at it for a long time and they have a new album that they're working on. Don't quite know when it'll be out yet, but um, they're really, really good. Good stuff. All right. We thank you all for tuning in. We will be back with another episode after this series. Can we just say that? Yeah, I think after this series, we'll, we'll do one after the series. We're going to hope, uh, we're hoping for five. I hope we'll six be back would be ideal. <laughs> I don't want to wait till after seven. So we'll, we'll see what happens probably after the series clears up though. And then it'd be nice to know our opponent too. So we could dive into that as well, yeah. but the timing of that we'll, we'll have to see. So we'll probably be breaking down who we'd rather see the Hawks or the Bucks. I, I lean one way. How about you? I think I lean one way. As well. All right. All right. So that'll be definitely on the next episode. So we appreciate you guys tuning in at Sunny and PHX pod on Twitter and Instagram. And we'll see you in the next episode. Go Suns. Right.